Hey guys, welcome back to the Selling From Why podcast. I'm your host, Andrew James. And on today's podcast, we're going to be uncovering the ideas behind human resources as it relates to the PEO sales process. What do most small and mid-sized companies do for HR, especially as they're starting out and as they begin to grow? What are some of the priorities of human resources that makes it so imperative for us to understand HR for a growing business? And how do we present and understand that information to our prospect so that they too can get on board with the great concept and all of the benefits that come with having a fantastic HR program as part of their business? So don't forget to like and subscribe. Again, this is Andrew James, and welcome to the Selling From Why podcast. Now, before we get into today's sales training on HR and go digging through all of the great pieces of information that I've got ready for us today, I want to go back to a segment that we started in last week's episode, which is current events or news. Now, the news I want to share today is related to an article that Sherm published about a week or two ago about the 2019 trends for human resources for your small and mid-sized companies that are looking to grow or expand. And it was a list of the top five things that a business, a small mid-sized business can do for retaining or growing their talent pool. And I thought that this was a really, really fantastic article to start with because it covers a pretty wide swath of information, but also some of the quotes in this article were really, really awesome and certainly support our sales effort in the PEO, or the HR outsourcing industry. So I'm going to go through each one of these top five uh, rules or guidelines that that Sherm has published, and and for those of you, I apologize for those of you that aren't familiar with Sherm. If you're maybe a little bit newer to the industry or newer to um, to this podcast, Sherm is the Society for Human Resource Management. So, w- what I think is important to to know about this um, this organization is that really, when it comes to all things HR for businesses, Sherm is really the the organization. It's the go to. Uh, organization for training, for development, for licensing, for keeping up to date with with new regulations. Um, so it, again, if you're if you're newer to the industry and you haven't heard of it, that's kind of a very very brief overview for you. But if you have been in the industry for a while and you've been thinking, man, I really need to I need to check out Sherm. It, now's a great time to start. So let's go through some of the information in this article. So again, the article was written about two weeks ago. And the information it covered was the top five trends for your small and mid-sized business looking to grow that is looking to improve or, or, or attract more candidates to their talent pool, to retain more talent in their, in their candidate pool. And the first, the first rule that they came across is culture and communication. This is their first guideline that they, they really wanted to impress upon the reader. And the idea is that the biggest impact of the company's retention and recruitment is always going to stem from this aspect of business, their culture and communication. And you can't have one without the other, right? Culture for an organization really becomes a very top-down sort of uh, concept within the business. It starts with your executive team. It starts with the owner. starts within that top leader. And then it goes down and and it trickles down through communication. And really what Sherman was trying to impress upon the reader is the idea that if there isn't a clear communication from the top down, then ideas like goals, success, strategy, uh, current performance of the organization, all of that begins to, 
to fall apart, right? If I don't know what the goal or, or what the direction of the business is as a, as a low-level employee, how am I ever expected to feel like I'm part of the culture? And that was a huge, huge first one. Now, I, I do think that Sherm missed something here in that there really does need to be a, from the bottom up, communication ladder that needs to exist. I don't think that they included that, and maybe it was just for keeping the article short, but the the path of communication for a small and mid-sized business, or, or any business for that matter, cannot be unidirectional. It needs to go back up as well. Number two was recruitment is the number one priority for growing businesses in 2019, and I've got to imagine that this is probably on the list for just about every year if you're a growing company. How are you expected to grow if you can't recruit? But they made some really, really awesome points in this section of their article, specifically that finding and hiring and resume screening and scheduling and interviewing and document feedback and writing offer letters and training new hires is all an aspect of an HR generalist's time. That's all things that your HR generalist is doing. And I think that this is really going to help us segue into a lot of what we're going to talk about in this podcast, which is the idea that for most small and mid-sized businesses, getting your HR person into the world of performing revenue-generating tasks as opposed to being a part of the cost of your business, in other words, having HR help us make money, not having HR cost us money, is a huge, huge priority. And, and they had a great quote, just a great quote from, a, um, from an executive within a, um, a consulting business that said, HR staff are mired in everyday tasks and can't carry the banner of the company's brand. They wear so many hats that they don't have time to focus on company culture, strategic initiatives, and supporting future growth. And I love that. I think that that is, if, if I was still carrying a bag and selling, I would probably have that, um, that tattooed on me somewhere. It, it's something to keep in mind. Your HR people simply do not have the capacity to be revenue generating for your business. And that is going to be a huge piece of what we're going to get into today. Number three on the list, executive support and leadership is key to influencing HR. This is another kind of a no-brainer, but the idea that if you have an owner or an executive team that doesn't necessarily believe in HR, is not a, 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 a advocate or, or, or a supporter of human resources, there's no way you're going to have HR people in the business that are, are doing progressive HR techniques. Again, something we're going to get into as we continue through this podcast. But that, that's a huge one, right? It really does start at the very, very top of the organization. The owner, the president, the CEO has to believe in the people, has to believe in human resources in order for things like culture and progressive HR to matter in that business. Number four, don't hire the wrong person. Again, a no-brainer here. In 2019, it's going to be very important for growing businesses to not hire the wrong person. It, it sounds like, of course, why would, why would that not be an issue? And, and I, I kind of laughed when I read this, but immediately afterwards, I read into the article and I thought, man, they really, really got it right here. Sherm did a great job of explaining this. For a small and mid-sized business, every penny counts. Every dollar needs to have a return on the investment. So hiring a wrong person can be an incredibly, incredibly costly enterprise. If you hire someone with a $50,000, $70,000 salary as a small and mid-sized business, you're not just losing that salary. You're losing the cost of the training and development. You're losing the benefits. You're losing the, the infrastructure overhead and most importantly, the amount of time that goes into getting that person on board. 
But those costs are not nearly as devastating as the impact that the wrong person can have on the overall business. And this doesn't just mean that this person might be bad for customers or might be bad for clients or might be bad for, for the financials of the business. This person actually becomes cancerous to those great people that are part of the business. So in other words, if you have someone who is hanging out at the water cooler every day talking about how terrible the company is, how much they hate the owner, how bad their bosses are, how they wish they were working somewhere else, it becomes cancerous to the culture of the organization. So it's not just their work that they're impacting, it can quickly become everyone else's work that is impacted by this bad hire. And I think that Sherm did a great job of hitting that nail on the head. If I hire the wrong person, the exponential cost to my business is going to be sometimes catastrophic if they turn out to be a truly bad person. And I'm sure we've all run into one of these individuals in our in our own business world, someone that we know who just really can't stand working at the organization we're at and they just constantly talk down about it, are bad mouthing it, have nothing but awful things to say and eventually it can get under your skin. It can actually truly distract you from your ability to do your job, which means that they're not just hurting themselves, they're hurting everyone around them. I thought Sherm did a great job there. And number five is know the rules. If you're a small and mid-sized company looking to grow, looking to expand outside of your hometown, you better know the rules of the places you plan on going. In other words, if you're a if you're a longtime listener to this podcast, if you're in Illinois, if you're in Ohio, if you're in Wisconsin, and you plan on growing to the state next door, you better know the difference in rules and regulation and legislation and requirements that go along with being part of that that different state because the truth is is if there's a small change from one state to the other and you get it wrong you're going to end up with fines you're going to end up with fees you might end up if it's truly that bad with plant closures with losing employees the list goes on and on know your rules nothing slows your growth like dealing with a whole bunch of new legislation that you had no idea about so why am I bringing these pieces of information up? Why, why did I think that this was such a huge, huge part of getting started on the subject of human resources? And, and that's really what I wanna dive into first. In order to really understand how businesses build HR into their company, we have to really look at what happens as a business first opens their doors and then bring them all the way up to the timeline when you as a salesperson are going to first walk in and introduce yourself. Whether that's to the business owner, the CFO, the, the HR person themselves, it can be the janitor, it doesn't matter. We have to look at the timeline of how HR is created as a business grows. Now the reason why we started by talking about all of that news and all of that information, those five things that are key priorities for growing companies in 2019, is because the truth is that those are priorities that most business owners simply are either unaware of or unable to manage and tackle because of the way that they approach HR from the very moment they open their doors as a business. And that is something that as a PEO or an HRO salesperson, you absolutely need to understand this. Keep this in mind. You are walking into a business. You're walking in and talking to hopefully an executive or a decision maker that has approached the idea of HR out of necessity, not out of strategy. Remember those words. They have approached HR out of necessity, not strategy. 
And that is going to be the biggest thing that you can understand going into this podcast, coming out of this podcast, as you're training on the idea of human resources, no matter how much you know about HR, it is based on necessity, not strategy. Is that a blanket statement? No, of course not. Nothing in sales is ever a blanket straight statement. We can never be 100% right all the time. But as a general rule, most of your business owners are going to have approached it out of necessity, not strategy. Does that mean that it's not working? No, it doesn't mean that it's not working. Does that mean that you can do it better? Probably. It absolutely probably means you can do it better. But it does not mean that it's not working. And it does not mean that that is always going to be the case. There are some business owners out there who are very HR savvy, who are going to have approached HR in all the right ways and are doing everything right. And you're going to have a very, very hard time finding finding an alternative or finding some solutions. But the general rule is necessity, not strategy. So let's take a look at what necessity of HR programs within a small business looks like. So in order to understand how HR is built, we're going to start with the idea of a small, mid-sized business first opening their doors, first SMB beginning their business. Let's assume that we have Dan. Dan has uh, been working in a machine shop for most of his life. He's been there for 20 years, 25 years. He started by mopping the floors when he was just a teenager, and he's progressed all the way up to uh, a head of the management staff or a leader within the organization. And he thinks to himself, you know what, I could do this better. I want to open my own machine shop. So Dan goes and gets the necessary funding. He goes and, and takes charge of, of finding a location and he opens the machine shop of his dreams. Now, we can certainly assume that if Dan has been working for a company for 20 years, he probably knows all of the ins and outs of machining. He knows everything there is to know about marketing, he knows how to manufacture. He knows about all the nuances of, of that goes into machining. I probably should have chosen a, a business I knew more about. But the idea here is that that's exactly my point, in, 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 as a matter of fact. I don't know all of those details, but Dan does. Dan knows exactly what he's doing when it comes to machining. And that's what allows him to become an expert. And that passion is what drives his business forward initially. Now, at first, the machine shop might be Dan, uh, maybe two or three of his friends or two, three people that he took from his old company, and he starts the business. Now, when we begin to understand the idea of HR, HR starts growing more rapidly, becomes more of a priority the larger the company becomes. That's not just because of the fact that the larger the business, the more laws, the more rules, the more um, necessary filings they have. It's because the real nature of HR is that human side to it. It's the people. The more people, the more of an HR need an organization has. So as Dan's business begins to pick up steam, he begins hiring more and more people. What's the first thing that you think Dan's going to start realizing about HR as he begins to hire individuals? Well, probably what you're thinking right there is who's doing the hiring? Dan's time needs to be focused, especially as a small and mid-sized company, on growing his business as a small and mid-sized company. Dan's priority is, is probably, especially when he's that small, going out and selling, marketing, and advertising his business. His goal is on finding clients so that he can be a machine shop for them. That's his goal. 
anything, anything at all that takes him away from that priority is a non-revenue generating activity. And you're going to hear me use those words a lot, non-revenue generating activity. In other words, it's something that it needs to be done, but does not in any way earn money for the organization. Now, we can make a, dis can make a distinction here between non-revenue generating activity and, and non-revenue generating future activity. Hiring someone doesn't make money for the organization. It's a necessity that eventually will lead us to revenue generation, but the act itself doesn't make money. And torn between hiring someone and going out and selling and marketing and finding new clients, it's a really tough decision for Dan because both of them need to be occurring, but he realizes very quickly he can't do both. So probably, chances are, one of the first things that Dan is gonna do is he is going to assign someone the role of handling the hiring for his business. Now, along with that, as the business continues to grow, he's going to find things like payroll. Payroll needs to be done. He's going to quickly learn that there are things like scheduling, that interviews need to be done, that, that there are rules, taxes that need to be paid. There's so much that suddenly starts falling on his lap. And let's go back again and think about who Dan is. Dan is formerly a manager of a machine shop for 20 years who knows everything there is to know about machining. Dan doesn't know the first thing about all this other stuff that's suddenly occurring for his business. He doesn't know it. So Dan's got a couple of options available to him. Because if he doesn't quickly pass this information or pass off these responsibilities to someone else, he's going to find that he has no time left in his day to do the things that are necessary to continue to grow his business. And in fact, his business will begin to stall. It'll plateau very, very quickly because he doesn't have anybody doing this for him. If he's not out there selling and marketing his business, no one is, which means the business can't grow. So what are Dan's options? And this is really where we begin to approach the idea of necessity versus strategy for HR growth. So Dan is probably going to do one of two things in this situation. He is probably, most likely, if he's like many business owners in the small, mid-sized business market, he is going to assign someone in his organization to handle HR. And I think that if you've, been, if you've been doing PEO sales or HRO sales for long enough, we have all run into the office manager HR person or the CFO HR person, or a little less frequently, but still out there, is the administrator who's also the HR person. In fact, I've even seen receptionists who are HR people. So what happens is Dan is going to assign the responsibilities of HR to someone within his organization in the hopes that they can take all of these responsibilities off his plate, except we have to understand that he has really done nothing to actually create the idea of HR being proactive. It's not revenue generating. In fact, he's done the opposite. It has become a greater cost for him to have someone else in the organization doing it. So let's assume that he hands it off to an office manager as that tends to be the more, the more standard approach that most SMBs are taking. The office manager, chances are, doesn't really know the answers to these things either. The office manager doesn't know about payroll, doesn't know about interviewing, doesn't know about tax payments or legislation requirements. The office manager is an office manager, yet they've just been handed a huge task, a huge undertaking to their organization, which is to manage human resources. And all of a sudden, that becomes their responsibility and their role. 
if, if it was taking all that time off of Dan's plate, what can we assume it's going to do to the office manager? The exact same thing. Now, all of a sudden, we've got someone whose responsibility could have been financial, accounting, accounts receivable, accounts payable. It could have been so many different things suddenly handling something that they know very little about, and that suddenly takes a lot of their time, too. So now we've created all in even additional cost to the business. Now this person has to train themselves, has to look up information, and there's absolutely no guarantee that this person is going to be doing it correctly. Right? If I don't know the first thing about HR, how do I know if I'm making my state unemployment tax payments on a weekly, semi-monthly, monthly, or, or every six months? I don't know the answer to these things. I don't know what size I am. Where do I get this information? I'm going to probably go to Google and try and figure it out, but chances are you're not going to be doing things correctly. So that is the traditional way that many small and mid-sized business owners approach the idea of the necessities of human resources. It is no way proactive. It's not a revenue generating. It is just simply a, I need to continue working on my business and this seems to be the best possible solution. What are the other ways that a business owner may begin to tackle HR? Uh, usually when I ask this question in my training and development program, I will get at least one person who thinks they're very smart who says they won't do anything at all. They'll just ignore human resources. And it could be true. That's, it's very possibly true, although I usually don't find that to be the case. Most SMBs are at least mildly aware of the idea of HR, even if they don't understand things like employee engagement and the values of building a company culture, they at least understand HR from the standpoint of I need to do payroll, I need to pay my taxes, I need to handle uh, I-9s, W-2s, things of that nature. They at least know the very, very basics. As long as they've been an employee themselves, they know, they know the basics. So chances are they're not going to ignore human resources altogether. More than likely, alternative one being that they hire someone who doesn't really know what they're doing, or excuse me, doesn't hire someone. They, they, they appoint someone who doesn't necessarily know what they're doing for HR to handle HR, which creates more problems than it actually solves. Option two is they hire someone to be HR. So this is the second option. They either pick someone who's already in the company, which is usually what they consider to be a cost benefit, or they hire someone to handle HR. If they hire an HR person, what do we now know about the business owner? And this is a question I want all of you out there who are selling into this space to think about very, very quickly. If I'm a small, mid-sized business owner, and I choose, as, I'm, as my business is growing, to hire a functioning HR person, someone with a background about HR, what can we now make the assumption of about that business owner? It's not always the case, but generally speaking, as a rule of thumb, you can determine that that business owner is more HR aware, might be more proactively HR inclined than someone who simply appoints a CFO, an office manager, or some administrator within their organization to handle HR. Why do I say that? Because this is someone who is now beginning to invest in HR. If I appoint someone who I already have employed and simply I think has more time on their hands to handle HR, really what I'm saying is it's not that important. This is a secondary task from the primary one that I hired this person for in the first place. But if I hire an HR person 
I'm going to be able to make an assumption that this person is someone who believes in HR. When I'm walking into a business that has a dedicated, dedicated HR person, especially if it's a very small company under 30 employees or so, and they have a full-time dedicated HR person, even a part-time dedicated HR person, I'm going to believe that this business owner truly believes in the idea of HR. And we'll get into that in a little bit. So on, on, on the surface, hiring an HR person might look like they've just solved all their problems, right? This is someone who really knows how to handle all of these HR tasks that, that are priorities for the organization. And you're absolutely right. This is a better approach to handling HR. But what we often find in these businesses where they've hired an HR person is that all of the capital that is needed for running a true reactive and proactive HR program, and we'll get into those terms in just a minute here, all of the capital, all of the financial needs for those businesses are eaten up by the hire, which means I've now got an absolutely spectacular, splendid, fantastic human resource person, and he or she has absolutely no tools at their disposal to do the job. So reality is they're really not that much better than the other person. Right? They're not that much better than the office manager that I assigned the task of HR because the truth is, is that a lot of these processes are still manual. In fact, according to SHRM, Society for Human Resources, 70% of the tasks performed by an HR person or an assigned HR person within an organization are non-revenue generating paperwork de designated manual tasks. They are not truly benefiting the organization. And what are some of those tasks? Well, we've already kind of talked about them during this episode. You've got payroll. Payroll is a task that doesn't really generate any revenue for the organization. Now you do it wrong and you're going to run into problems very, very quickly, but it doesn't generate revenue for the organization to do payroll. You've got tax forms, W-2s, I-9s. You've got all the paperwork required for an onboarding employee. These are things that do not generate revenue for the organization. You've got time and attendance, managing the processes of scheduling and time management for employees. That does not generate revenue for the business. You have got paperwork associated with things like retirement plans, healthcare programs, benefit programs, workers' comp and insurance programs. These do not generate revenue for the business, but nonetheless, they fall on the plate of HR people. And... They take up about 70% of their time. So you can see how required these processes and these, these duties are for the business, but it's not helping the business in any way. In other words, if I am a growing business, there is so much that needs to be done in terms of helping ensure that I am continuing to grow strategically and growing well that has nothing to do with what I have now allotted 70% of my time to do is the HR person for this organization. Now that exists for both the hired human resources person as well as the assigned human resources person. Neither of those two individuals are equipped to manage the task of human resources for a growing business. And again, this goes down to the idea that we are building HR out of necessity, not out of strategy. What are the big reasons why business owners don't approach HR from a more proactive manner? In other words, why are they not taking HR more seriously for the benefit of helping their business grow? So let's tackle that question next. 
There are three reasons why business owners or decision makers, executives, leaders, etc. within SMB are not putting more priority on the idea of human resources within their organization. Now, again, if we go to the idea of Dan, Dan's business, Dan's machine shop, Dan has either chosen to apply the role of human resources, if you will, to his office manager, or he's hired someone to tackle the role of HR for his organization. And that's it. Those are our two kind of ways that we've, we're handling HR. So there are three reasons in, in my experience as, as doing this for about 12 years now that I have run into for your average business that doesn't put more priority on human resources. Number one, they have absolutely no idea what we're talking about when we say more priority on human resources. In other words, ideas like business culture, business communication, things like handling um, uh, strategic initiatives, supporting business growth. These ideas are foreign to this business owner when it comes to human resources to them. HR is those things that we've been talking about, that 70% that is paperwork, administrative responsibility, building PowerPoints, handling insurance premiums, that to them is human resources. While they're not entirely wrong, it means that they are missing a much, much larger portion of HR that is really, really going to help the business grow and become successful. And that's what we want to be able to talk to these business owners about is the change of making HR an overhead to making it revenue generating. So number one reason why business owners don't put more priority on HR is they have absolutely no idea what we're talking about when we say, why aren't you doing more with your HR? So we'll get into that one in just a moment. But number two, they don't have the financials to invest in human resources. And so because of that, everything that they are trying to do is really kind of, for lack of a more business term, half-assed. They're doing it in a half-assed way. In other words, they might say to their HR person or to their office manager, I want you to send out a newsletter once a month and some form of oh, hokey newsletter goes out that doesn't really do anything to engage their employees. They might say, I want to figure out if my employees are engaged. Can you ask a couple of them what they think about working here? They, they, they lack the financials. They lack the true awareness and, and understanding. They know that there's a bigger picture to HR, but they either have no financial way to get started or they just don't have anybody who knows enough about the subject in order to get started. And number three is they are absolutely aware of HR. They have absolutely tried to get started, but it has either failed or it has not worked in the past. And so because of this, they didn't see any reason to continue trying. So in a lot of these cases, you might have someone who says, oh, well, yeah, absolutely. I know that, that HR is a big deal. I, I read all about it in the news. I, you, know, you see it on TV. Google's been talking about it nonstop with all their changes recently. But you know what, we're, we're just a small organization. We tried to get started on things like that and it, it really didn't seem to pay off too well. Progressive and proactive HR is very much like advertising. You can't just spend a couple of dollars on it one month and expect it to pay off for the rest of existence. It really is something that becomes a full-time responsibility. So now that we understand for the most part 
why and how businesses are tackling HR the way they are. Let's talk about what the difference is going to be when a PEO steps into the picture for an organization. First things first, let's talk about the two different individuals within an organization that are tackling HR for that business. And we'll look at them and then we'll address how do we tackle the issue of the business owner and the three reasons why they are probably aren't putting more emphasis on HR. So number one, we've got our office manager, CFO, administrative HR person who is dedicating all of their time to trying to learn HR, put it in place within their business, but really doesn't know too much about it. Option two is we've got a dedicated HR person who's been hired for the organization, either on full or part-time, but doesn't have any tools available to them. And so is really just as dedicated to the administrative role of human resources as the office manager is, but happens to know a little bit more about it. So what are we going to do for each of these people? Well, the answer is kind of the same for both individuals. For the office manager, priority number one, really, for improving the efficiency and performance of the organization is getting HR off that person's plate, completely off the plate if we can. So the first thing that we're going to want to do is we're going to want to automate all of the administrative tasks that that, that HR person or office manager is currently doing for their business. Well, what does that look like? Well, as a PEO, one of the best things that we have available to us is the ability to put into place our technology. Ideally, you're working for a PEO that has some form of technology solution that is going to manage the administrative aspects of HR, which means onboarding, offboarding is going to be managed. Uh, payroll is going to be managed. Time and attendance is going to be managed. Hopefully, Again, hopefully this system will also manage all of your bill reconciliation for things like healthcare, workers' comp, dental insurance, life insurance, all of those necessary things. It is going to also have a reporting capability. So as the company grows, the necessary reporting requirements are going to be taken care of. It is going to have a self-service for the employees so the employees can handle their own changes to address, changes to life events. They can print off their own paychecks, check their own pay stubs, W-2s, vacations vacation accruals and vacation tracking, all of these things that are time-draining activities for your HR person can get wrapped up into the technology for the client. And what that's going to do for your office manager or your CFO or your administrator is it's going to take all of that work off their hands, which means that they can now get back to focusing on the job that they were intended for in the first place. Remember, when they were handed the role of HR in this organization, their actual job didn't go away. If this is an accounting person, an office manager person, a CFO, or, or, or something in that nature, all of those tasks still exist while they're handling HR. Get HR off their plate. Get them back to doing what's important to the organization because those tasks are still as imperative as they were the day they were hired. That is one of the biggest priorities that you have as a PEO salesperson is eliminating those tasks from that person's plate. Get them back to focusing on what they need to. And there's another reason. They're going to thank you for this because chances are that office manager, that CFO, that accounting person, even the administrative person doesn't like doing HR because they don't have anything to do with it. These are tasks that they don't understand, don't know about. They're trying to stumble through them as they do it. Get them off their plate. They're going to thank you. I promise you.
The second big benefit there is the compliance aspect, right? If I don't know what I'm doing as it comes to HR, and we just talked about all of those tasks, and those aren't even all of them. Those are just a, a small snippet of the amount of tasks that this HR person is handling. If we get all of them off their plate, they're happy. But the big priority for the business owner is going to be the compliance that that creates. If I don't know how to do all of those things, but nonetheless, I'm assigned to do them, the chance of me doing it wrong is going to be a big deal. It's very possible that I will not file the taxes appropriately, that I will not know minimum wage and hour laws, and I won't necessarily get the time and attendance system working properly. I won't know when to handle I-9s, W-2s. I don't know that those aren't supposed to go in the same file together, so I'm putting them in the same file together. I don't know the difference. I don't know that that's a $1,000 fine every time I do that. These are tasks that most of these individuals aren't aware of, so by automating it in a compliant atmosphere, you're getting the business owner to understand, hey, we're going to take all that risk off your plate. And that's a huge, huge benefit to your business owner or your executives. Now, it might appear that we don't, we aren't able to do as much for a company that's hired an HR professional, but the answer is we can actually do much more for a company that's hired an HR professional. Remember that the initiative, chances are the initiative of the executive or the owner or the CEO when they hired this HR professional was the belief that this person would be able to really, really impact HR. And chances are they found that they're not really impacting HR because they're solely dedicated to spending most of their time on the administrative aspects of HR because they lack all of the tools with which to manage all of that. What happens when we give that person back 70% of their time? Well, let's be let's let's be more realistic. Let's say we give them back half of that time. Let's say we give them back 35%. What does that mean for that person? That person suddenly finds that they have a considerable amount of time on their hands to begin tackling the more priority related aspects of their business. If you are a trained professional human resources person, you do not want to be handling payroll and EEO reporting. You want to be doing things that matter for the business. You want to be aiding in the recruitment and retention. You want to be doing engagement surveys. You want to be doing management development and, and leadership development. You want to be doing training programs. Those are the things that you're really looking to do, but you haven't had time to do it. Well, now we, through our automated solutions within our technology, are giving you all of that time back. We are essentially arming this warrior with all of the possible swords and knives and guns and whatever it is that they want, figuratively speaking, of course, to, to be that warrior that they've always wanted to be in the AHR world. That's what's great about the, the PEO relationship. We are giving them all of these resources. Now, once they've gotten all that, all that administrative stuff off their plate, what is it that they can do? They can do so much. And we have even more tools to give them to help them do those things. That's how we can help move HR from being a cost to HR being progressive. That is a huge, huge, huge benefit to the organization. And it's certainly one that is going to help endear you to your business owner, assuming you're able to have that conversation correctly. So let's look at how we have the right conversation with our business owners about that specifically. To be clear, the subject of, of proactive or progressive HR within an organization is much too extensive of a 
segment for us to complete on today's podcast. For the sake of time, I'm not going to go into that today. And next week's episode, or potentially if I have time later this week, I will put together an episode on the true nature and the the relevance of proactive HR as a revenue driver for an organization. Today, however, what I want to cover before we close up this podcast is how do you present proactive HR to an organization that is one of those three types. In other words, it's an organization that either doesn't have the financial resources or doesn't believe they have the financial resources to tackle proactive HR or has potentially no awareness of the idea of proactive HR or ultimately, and kind of our last of the three, is a company that has tried to put proactive HR in place before but has had little or no success. So in any of those three situations, it it really comes down to education, right? Your job as the HRO or, or PEO salesperson is to educate your prospect on the nature and the relevance of proactive HR. And again, because of how much time that's going to take, I want to reserve that big aspect of it to a a later date to another podcast. But for now, what I want to do is I want to help you understand how you can begin to have that conversation with your business owner so that they don't immediately start pushing back and saying, no, I don't want to do that, or that sounds expensive, or we've done it in the past and there's absolutely no relevance for our business. The first one, let's talk about the cost. The cost of not putting in place proactive HR measures. The cost of not having true HR resources in place. And we've already to some extent covered this idea. For many, many businesses, there is already a cost to HR. They're already investing in a large sum of money to tackle HR. Now, for most of these business owners, they have put either, they've an HR person in place, they've hired an HR person or they've assigned HR to someone, they're already beginning to invest in HR whether they realize it or not. Many of these companies will also have payroll services, they'll also have uh, um, brokers to handle insurance programs, so they're already in some way or another tackling the reactive aspect of HR. In other words, they're tackling HR that is needed to be performed but not necessarily the things that are going to really be a benefit to their organization. And this, again, as I've said so many times in past podcasts and past episodes, comes down to the idea that you need to really understand and analyze their business. So what this means is that you're going to need to spend time before you begin the conversation of HR within the organization. You're going to begin trying to understand what the philosophy of HR within that organization looks like. And with many organizations, you can't just come right out and say, tell me about your philosophy on HR. In a lot of cases, for for many of these small, mid-sized businesses, the owners, the decision makers, HR is going to have a little bit of a sticky term to it. It's not going to really be what it is that we want it to be in that organization. So by referring to HR as HR, that blanket term, you're going to get a lot of business owners who are going to say, well, we we have HR in-house, we handle our payroll, we handle our taxes, things of that nature. You're going to have them kind of push back on you because they're not going to understand HR from the standpoint that we want them to understand HR. And again, really diving into those progressive details, HR is going to have to be another podcast. So the first thing that you need to do is steer clear of using the term human resources too quickly, too early on in your conversations. You want to start by really continuing to keep the conversation high level and light, as we've explained 
previously in our initial meeting, talking instead about the ideas of controlling cost, improving productivity of the business, and minimizing the risk of the organization. Chances are they are doing all of these things reactively, but not proactively. They're not progressively seeking ways to improve the productivity of their business. Instead, they are reacting to events that are occurring in their business by putting things in place out of necessity, again, not out of strategy. You need to understand that. So that's where that analysis is really going to play a huge role for you. As you're beginning your analysis process within the organization, you want to be spending time with those people who are involved in the day-to-day -day aspects of human resources and understanding what their time is being spent doing. So for instance, when you're talking to this office manager who has been assigned the role of human resources, you want to find out how much time are they spending doing these administrative tasks. What are the administrative tasks that they're assigned to do and how much time is it taking? What tools do they have in place to manage those tasks? How efficient are are they working? What's working? What isn't working? But here's the big piece that many, many newer salespeople miss. They don't spend time learning what they want to be doing. And a great question to ask for, for the HR person, whether it be the office manager or designated HR person is, what are some of those big items that you want to be tackling that you have not had time for or have not had the resources to tackle? What are some of the initiatives of 2019 or of the next coming years that are going to be priorities for the business? Now, if you've already had a great analysis with some of the executives within the organization, you might know that the business is looking to grow, looking to expand, is releasing new products, is beginning a new marketing campaign, is hiring new individuals. So you already know that those priorities exist and that they're going to probably fall in the lap of the HR person that's assigned. Now, for those business owners who have not put a tremendous amount of priority because they simply aren't aware of the priority of revenue generating HR, you can begin helping them see those values by looking at the tasks that are not being done today by those individuals assigned to handle administrative HR. And what you'll find is that you'll talk to these individuals assigned to this task and they'll begin saying things like, well, absolutely, we've been wanting to put together job descriptions and handbooks for the last year, but we haven't had a chance to do it. Or we've really wanted to start understanding why we are turning over employees to some of our larger competitors in the market, but we haven't had a chance to really dive in and understand that. You'll start seeing red flags come up, increasing turnover. You'll see uh, compliance laws where they have where they have improperly managed compliance aspect of their business and because of that they've received fines because they have no proactive HR they're handling things reactively when a mistake happens when something negative occurs within their business they're doing something to shore up that issue but they're not being proactive and that's a great place to start you can educate these business owners on the value of proactive HR by looking at the things that aren't being done but they are probably aware that do need to be done they're just not seeing them as being priorities now bringing value to that is going to take a lot more time and that's really again where our next podcast is going to lead us to what the value the actual true revenue value that occurs with proactive HR now alternatively you have individuals businesses, executives who have put HR in place or, or have begun tackling HR but are not really able to truly get into the idea of, uh, of those things because they just don't see the time. And again, that comes down to education. 
being able to spend time in that analysis with your HR professionals and understanding where they are dedicating their time and then being able to demonstrate to them as well as your executives and your decision makers how through the use of the PEO relationship we are able to offload the administrative day-to-day -day of that business but again that takes time you need to spend time with those people understanding that and again that's part of that analysis program so the answer as it has in so many podcasts up to now and including now comes down to your analysis spending time with the business and getting to understand not only their goals and their initiatives but now that we're in the analysis it's understanding what are the things that are missing from their day-to-day -day that could be done to help them be more productive to help them improve the the chance of success as a small mid-sized company those are really your priorities and then being able to bring that information to bear during your proposal with the business owner by demonstrating that information that you've been able to uncover and linking it directly to the services and the solutions of the PEO. That is really the priority and that's how you tackle it. The last thing that you want to do is challenge the business owner by saying you're doing things wrong or, or you, you haven't done it right up until now. You have to educate them. For many business owners, especially if they are spending so much of their time outside of the office or, or in, in true revenue generating activities, they're not aware that, that they've missed something by assigning these responsibilities to someone else. Or they think that because they have hired an HR person, they've tackled everything that they need to tackle. They don't understand that alternative role that HR can play within their business. And I'm sorry to leave it at that because I know we're, we're about to reach our time limit for an hour. I don't want to just overwhelm the listener with so much information, but I think that this is a great place to stop as it leaves us queued up perfectly for our next podcast, which is going to dive into how do we really build revenue through HR? What does that really look like? And how do you bring that information to bear when you are proposing to your business owner? So again, guys, thank you so, so much for listening. As I've said many times, uh, please like, subscribe, leave a comment, leave a review for my podcast if you can. I, I really would appreciate it. You can always reach out to me through my email address and my profile. But again, guys, this is Andrew James. This is the Selling From Why podcast. Thank you so much for listening.